My love, she's gone. Listen to what you are saying. She's dead. Catch it! Let's We have grieved enough. Enough. There is no witch. Perhaps I am overwhelmed, imagining things that aren't there. But now I have looked into your eyes. You're a liar. podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to that podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week and especially this year we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse. And typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here a minute ago, but he, he heard some strange noise in the wall and wanted to go check it out. You know, uh, uh, Reed and his family live in an apartment setting, so it's not real strange to hear those types of sounds. I, I mean, he and I heard sounds 20 years ago when we shared an apartment through the wall from other apartments and stuff. So, you know, that's not too weird. I'm sure everything is fine. I do want to, you know, get you guys hyped up, um, knowing this is the intersection of faith and fear. We've covered songs before, but rarely have we dug so deep into the CCM category. So if you don't have your bloom album handy, you might want to go get that. Cause we are covering a song off of that album today. But in the meantime, allow me to welcome you back into 2020, 2020 2.0, a series looking at some films released last year, this year, but I'm getting ahead of myself because here at the fear of God, we explore, we don't explain except for right now. when I explain that you can listen to the fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch the fear of God on YouTube and you can browse the fear of God on the web at the fear of God podcast.com where you will find Re read. Hey buddy, you're back. Everything, everything okay with the walls. Um, right. it, everything will be fine. Everything, everything, yeah. everything will eventually be okay. Uh, we just, okay. yeah, we just had to, uh, 
we just had some unexpected guests. That's it. We just had, you know, yeah. we just well, had some, you know, you know some I mean, little you got to be careful yeah. right now in this era of time to have unexpected guests. I hope yeah. you either greeted them outside or, you know, just ensured masks were well, on. Well, you know, they're in the walls. Time frame. So, you oh, know, like, so, so we couldn't, you know, that's couldn't greet them outside when we discovered okay. them there. So, you know, you know like a, a rodent problem or something. I, yeah. I understand. You know, it's, 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 wow. it is weird days these days. Reed, I am really so good. excited that you proposed <laughs> us talking about this song today i don't know about you but i can remember so, in my high school days just just spinning this album is it often and frequently and in fact is it in is fact it, this uh, is coming to me in real time remember one of the so, follow-ups to this album was some kind of zombie which is right up our alley. it is one it yes some so in my chevette so um <laughs> the the yeah that's, that's am okay. i to understand am i to ascertain that you are in fact referencing the CCM early nineties classic Big House. Yeah. 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 But that's, I mean, because, but that's not, I, well, the, I figured like when we did, when we did, um, Stan by Eminem, you know, like, but that's not the, the we, in hindsight, the, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a horror show we occupied in those years. See, but you know, it's not, we, um, it was comfortable to us, but see, as what sometimes, you know, so it made as, sense. As sometimes happens, you have, you have prepared, with the right heart and the wrong material. So uh, <laughs> this is, we are not in fact covering I would, audio adrenaline. If I'm going to get one of those wrong, yes, I'd rather it be the material. Yeah. No, we are not in fact covering big house by audio adrenaline, okay. which uh, I actually don't okay, think. Well, this- I was somehow I thought you would go there. And so, no. knowing these are songs, so they're short. It didn't require a ton of time on my part. So I did. You did break house, um, right? No, that was no, I was going to do Run's house. Run's house, you know, oh, from Run okay. DMC. Yeah. Oh, you know. okay. You know what? That's that's even better. That's even better. <laughs> See, I did Brick House. <laughs> She's a brick house. My to my day. Yeah. So let uh, it all hang out. That's us. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, given the tone oh, of this man. movie, CCM. This a, what an era. What? Yeah, you know. Okay, so it's really funny that you bring that up. Oh gosh. Oh boy. No, 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 no. I did not mean to walk up to this one, but I'm worried you're about to open the door. Well, off. I will, but but actually, I mean, it's okay if you do. I don't. I'm no, no, no. It's actually word. so. So we'll get to it. I was actually going to spend my time during watching, reading, listening, addressing that very thing, and I had no idea that you were going to oh. be walking right up in in CCM territory. Just, almost, yeah, almost pre prepped you for it. I just to opened say, that like, pearly gate for you. Yeah. Well, that was the funny thing is I did not what listeners don't know, and it'll make a lot more sense in a second. So, um, uh, but I'll, I'll I'll mention it uh more directly when we get to watch and read and listen to. So why don't we get some business time and get that okay. out of the way, and then we'll, then we'll get all into right. some watch and read and listen to, and then Let's I'll talk it. about what we want to talk about, and then we get into all that, and then we'll put God back in America again. Whoa! Sounds good. Um, <laughs> yeah. so it is business time, and read our listeners have some homework. And mm. some of them have done their homework in a timely fashion and gotten high marks for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the good thing about homework. Fear of God homework is you can turn it in whenever. Yeah. I mean, a moment in time would come where, where it is late. 2025, we get this random. Hey, guys. me. I'm catching up on your old episodes. Um, oh, love it. Oh, man. <laughs> We're 85 years old. I, We're like, I, I love even... the episode with Big House. That's my favorite song. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we do have some homework for the listeners. A number of you have already submitted, and that is wonderful and glorious, and you're beautiful people. Um, the beautiful people yet to submit. We are we are embarking on a, converse, a year-long conversation. 
we're narrowing a a facet of what we do on the show period to this year specifically um a tandem series like a tandem bike <laughs> but ser- series uh starting with what scares us and so uh for approximately the first half of the year um we are going to be featuring your submissions you know uh that that uh, you have filled out this form. You can go to the website right now and participate in what scares us. See, I'm I'm struggling with my words because I'm so moved by the fact that we're we're talking to you guys <laughs> and getting <laughs> this feedback back, and I'm already excited for what we're going to be covering. Um, but yes, the I'm the ask, excited. the business time portion is go to the website fearofgodpodcast.com or thefearofgodpodcast.com. Uh, you'll see uh, the banner along the top uh, that says for you to submit that prompts you to submit your what scares us story. Uh, fill out that form. Name a movie, name maybe a TV show, maybe a book. Um, this this wouldn't necessarily be... Man, see, I was tempted to just go ahead and tell you what I'm... Dude, see, this is, this is already happening. It's like all this these bygone days. Reed, I remember oh, reading man. Dean Koontz books and because, because I was too scared <laughs> of Stephen King after Pet Cemetery in sixth grade. And I I was the guy... I was, I was the kid who stayed up late. Mm, like, mm. I... I still have a hard time not, you know, I, I, I utilize that skill well during our theater yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was the one who the whole house would be asleep and I'd be up reading mm, into the night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was the Timothy Zahn Star Wars trilogies. It was Dean Koontz. Those, these are the primary things that occupied my high school years reading. And I distinctly remember reading the book Winter Moon. Oh, yes. Yeah. By Dean mm-hmm. Koontz. And it's late at night. I think I've told this story on here before, but I'll tell it again just to illustrate what we're after. Uh, But I'm going to go for a movie when I do my submission for what scares us. And I remember needing to brush my teeth late at night or or take my contacts out or both, whatever, and not wanting to step down out of the bed because I would I would sit in bed and read until the the whole house is quiet and it's midnight and you're, you know, 15, 16 years old. And it's like, oh, my God, this book just scared the crap out of me. (laughs) And so I would like not. I'm a large person even then. So I wouldn't like make a full board, like leap. Sure. But there, there'd be a bit of a spring in the step <laughs> to get a out bounce. of the bed. Not you. You don't just place your foot on the floor because no. something's going to get you from under the Heard. bed. So, so yes, that is something that definitively scared me and is an example. Look, Reed, this is how I do. I lead by example. You know, it's embodiment. <laughs> it's, it's embodying the Christ mystery before us. Um, we want your stories of a similar variety. What is that thing? That 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 sunk its teeth into you when you were a wee lad or lassie, uh, be it book, be it movie, uh, be it TV show, uh, old wives tale, what have you. We want those stories because we want to be able to share those stories. What we do here at the show is about dissecting these things that scare us and finding within them those things that save us. Uh, and that's the latter part of the year. Anyway, that's a long yeah, but it's it was it was great. We're submitting for what I think. There's us. a lot of energy around the fact that we've and and listeners of this episode don't know this, but we've had the privilege to read the submissions that have come in, and I just get excited reading them because they're great stories. And there's also a a good decent bevy of things that we'll have the opportunity to cover in the coming months as a result. Because that's one thing. Um, that we want to really encourage you is that as you submit your What Scares Us, this is also your platform to be able to encourage us 
to cover material we haven't already covered before. And a lot of the listeners have done that. They've submitted for us some some suggestions of, of either films or certain material that uh, is going to be interesting fodder for the show. And that's just, I, I don't know if you get as excited about this as I do, but we've been doing the show long enough now. And we, you and I have the privilege, uh, the ongoing privilege of just programming whatever content we see fit. I really like it when there's some element of involvement from the listener to say, hey, we would really love for you to, to talk about this. Because then it just, right. sort of, it, it just sort of pushes my hand to say, oh, great, I've been meaning to see that movie. Oh, I've been wanting an excuse to talk about that movie. This is a, you know, this is a great thing. So, uh, so, yeah, that's very exciting, and there's a tremendous amount of energy. If you have not already submitted, please submit. Um, and, uh, and if you have submitted already, uh, feel free to submit again. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just it, it's fantastic, and we're loving it. And it feels it feels like the moment uh, shouldn't go by without mentioning too. If we've more or less encapsulated what you'd find there, but our "What Saves Us" precap episode from a few weeks back will also give, in a nutshell, that. And then that's easily shareable if if you've got uh, someone who you think might be interested in the show. Generally speaking, yeah, uh, that's a good little yeah little piece Absolutely. to share with them. Um, so I think that I think that'll do it for business time. I think that's good. Um, that'll do. Reed. That'll do. That'll do. Read. That'll do. Um, so uh, why don't we? That'll do, pig. Why don't we? <laughs> Peter Porker. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you invite one of our wonderful listeners to uh, to ring in the next segment for us? I think I might do. It. Well, I was gonna see. Did you want to on the spot uh, set the ditty to a tune of where you're going here? But I won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would know it. <laughs> All right, here we go. What you watching? What you reading? What are you listening to? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love the like lean in lo-fi. It's like oh, it's, it's like MTV unplugged. Speaking of um, you know, throwbacks. It's <laughs> like it's like Brent Brent Westerink. Man, the, the placement of those ends can be a trip. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, long-time listener, uh, his submission of uh, uh, what you're watching from our request for those last year. Thank you so much, Brent, for that. One of our many favorite Canadians mm-hmm. uh, up in the Great White North. We do love um, So, Reed, do you want uh, – I want to give you the the time you need so I can do... Why don't you go first? I can do one if you'd like that. Yeah, okay. why don't you go first? Um, and I can make this relatively short. I did, with anticipation, this past Friday, uh, my wife and I, um, however, however significant to the movie industry writ large the choice was, on a very practical level, part of me as an adult who would have a hard time getting out of the house much anyway is very appreciative of Warner brothers shunting their entire 2021 film slate to HBO max. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, uh, we sat down this past Friday to watch, uh, the film directed by Shaka King and produced by Ryan Coogler, Judas and the black Messiah starring Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. And <laughs> this is a bold statement. Oh boy. Kaluuya's performance might be one of the 10 best performances I've ever seen in a film. That's incredible. It's I mean, insane. I've heard nothing but praise. It is insane. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you'll watch it. Uh, someone who might have already seen it might, I, I would maybe agree with this. There, to his normal speech pattern he uses in it, he uses sort of a verbal affectation. 
every now and then it's a little hard to know literally what he's saying. So, oh, okay, so it, sure. You know, I, I could see someone criticizing that, but in terms of the performance, in terms of the the lived energy he occupies in this film, it'll blow your mind, man. That's like, awesome. It'll it is you there. There's a, a, a about seven minute scene in the film where it's just like I, I kind of can't believe I'm watching this. It's it's wow. It's what I imagine people would have experienced in the De Niro Scorsese days in the late seventies, early eighties in terms mm-hmm. of the raw power and energy of his performance. It's, it's sure. just, and right. Lakeith Stanfield is a hell of an actor in his own right. He just has the more kind of subdued, um, yeah. Character. And so, so it's a little, uh, there's not as much bombast to point to there, but he's understood. Sure. If, if they don't get nominated, it's a slight, if Kaluuya is not in the front running for the best actor Oscar for that role and, or maybe if he doesn't win it, it's a slight, it's a serious, serious light. He's that good. That's incredible. Um, And the film and the film is great. It's, um, it does this impressive tightrope act of being both biopic and thriller kind of gritty, grimy. Sure. So you'd, you'd really enjoy it if you get around to it. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, one small note about the theater thing. Like, I, we saw an advertisement for the new film starring Bob Odenkirk called Nobody, and I actually am, am kind of interested in seeing that. I'm a huge Bob Odenkirk fan because of his, his role on Breaking Bad. Little and, Women? Oh. <laughs> loved that, but um, but more so for his starring role in Better Call Saul, which I'm still a really big fan of. Um, but when they said at the end, only in theaters... I can. I turned over to my wife and I was like, "This is this is what's going to be hard. I want them all back open, and I want them back open as soon as possible. But the fact that it only releases to theaters where I live, the closest theater to me is like 25 miles away, and with life right. and family and all that, that is very difficult to do. Not to right. mention, like, you know, for and, and it might be something that you would do when you can take the family as like a big outing. You know, hey, we're all going to go do this. But to you know, for me and my station, that's a little difficult to do. So I am also. Very appreciative, controversial as it was, of Warner Brothers shunting things like Judas and the Black Messiah to HBO Max because, yes, I have that. I can cue that up and I can watch that, especially yeah. given uh, the recommendation there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I had a book that I finished this um, this time that I was going to mention. I'll probably pivot that to to next week because what happened as of this recording, um, I, I will mention just in brief passing silliness before things get a, a little bit more heavy uh that as of this recording tomorrow the entire muppet show all five seasons comes to disney plus and oh, i'm wow. so excited i've been waiting for that for years <laughs> oh my god it's time to play the music it's time to light the lights so um so by the time it's listeners easy. hear this i will have uh probably consumed a vast amount of classic 70s and early 80s muppet show uh because it's finally coming to disney plus four and five have been just in release hell for like forever and they're finally coming and i'm so super excited um but the uh thing that, that i your wanted- one okay <laughs> no thank you brent um, take us away no, <laughs> so but no i rather than talk at length about the book that i was gonna uh, mention um you opened our show with some jokes about um ccm and uh you know audio adrenaline and stuff like that um well this week uh contemporary christian music lost a legitimate Legend, uh, Carmen Licciardello. Um, he w- went by his, you know, first name. And on I was going to say persona. that might that I, I thought you were speaking in tongues for a second there, but <laughs> I, that might literally be the first time I've ever heard. 
right. a last his name. last name. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, um, but he went by his stage name, Carmen. Um, he, of course, passed away. Well, I say, of course, most people may not know, but um, he passed away uh, uh, la- this, earlier this week, as of this recording, last week, as of uh, episode release. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's put his death, put me in a kind of a complicated place emotionally, not existentially, but just, it it hit me in a very sort of complicated way. Um, for uh, super, as brief as I can make it for people who absolutely don't know him, he was a really, really big star in the contemporary Christian music world. So he was, his music style was eclectic, um, almost to the point of being novelty where like, uh, you know, uh, almost like where songs don't have a lot of cohesive uh, musical styling. They're just like, oh, he's clearly doing this song called Radically Saved, and it's clearly a riff on Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood. Like, it's, it sounds very similar. It's not direct copy and parody, but it's meant to evoke that same kind of thing. That was uh, a lot of his music was uh, sort of um, evocative of these these eclectic styles. But what he was most known for were these, like, story songs which were these six to eight minute like word poems with um, set to some music. Often the music was kind of like cinematic in nature or whatever. And his most, his most famous one was a song called the champion, which meant, you know, mirrors up uh, the cosmic battle of Jesus versus the devil in a boxing ring. Anyway, he was, he was like a super huge star. And in many ways, his death um, was a thing for me that, it represents well i should i should mention before i get into that that like he was huge in the 80s he maintained a certain large degree of popularity through the 90s and then starting pretty much in the 2000s he became largely dismissed and and like diminished and sometimes to the degree to where like a lot of people kind of uh, viewed him with dismissive amusement where they began to kind of look at him a little bit more like a relic of a bygone era um, and I would even hear, I can still remember hearing when we would like develop dramas for church and stuff like that. Sometimes people would say, well, we don't want this to be a Carmen video, you know, like that was kind of, uh, sure. it became like a password for all these other sorts of little things. And, um, so in many ways, yes, he's, he, he can, comes across as a bit of an antique at times. And in many ways, sensitively speaking, you made, you actually made a direct call out to this. That I was going to mention, um, particularly his work in the nineties, he began to sort of embody a lot of the aspects of evangelical Christianity that I've, I've at the very least begun to view with severe skepticism, if not completely left behind. Things sure. like... Um, <laughs> There's another one. That, yeah, that's another one. Um, <laughs> things like his... I mean, his song that you referenced, uh, America Again, where the refrain is, we need God in America again, it is, an, it is a seven and a half minute like propaganda for a political theocracy that's what it is and i remember eras in which invoking that song and sure enough when he died a few of my facebook friends who are still kind of very entrenched in that culture shared that music video very specifically um and and so it represented a lot of that and and obviously i have some complicated feelings about that where i where i sit right now with all of that um but then there's also ways in which he bucked against the trend for instance and this was a big deal to me it might not be a very big deal to a lot of people he took a lot of flack for nearly his entire career because his concerts were free and he did not take offerings at them so you know a lot of people deliver you know concerts in churches and then oh we'll just take up a love offering to support the artist right 
Um, he was very passionate and put a couple of things on his like website and stuff like that, that he didn't want to charge and he didn't want to take an offering. And his uh, feelings behind that were he said, I don't want a dollar to come between somebody hearing the gospel. So that, that always stuck out to me as an admirable thing. It's a thing I still admire, particularly with some of the sort of the, the conversation around opulence of certain you know, sure. Christian figureheads that, that always meant a big deal to me. And he packed stadiums in his heyday, like 80 to 90,000 people coming to a stadium to hear him. Um, it was very much like almost like a rock concert, Billy Graham crusade or something. Um, but, uh, I remember being very, very impacted by his music when I was young, particularly because in these story songs, like one of my favorite story songs of his was a song called Lazarus comes forth, Lazarus come forth. And in this song, he imagines what it must've been like for Lazarus to have died and then spent his time, uh, in his death. Uh, like sort of talking, he goes to like a, a a gathering, a testimony gathering with a bunch of Old Testament figures like David and Abraham and Gideon and all these people. And Lazarus is sitting in the room listening to all these people talk about how they know God and they talk about their stories and they talk about what who God was to them. Mm-hmm. And then Lazarus speaks up and Lazarus says, I knew him in a way y'all never got to, you know, he, he basically says like, and he talks about Jesus and he talks about like, I, I watched him do this and he watched him do this. And I looked in his eyes and everything. And then it ends in this moment that still gives me chills where he said, but I still even remember the littlest things like the way he would call my name. And in the song, that's the moment that Jesus begins calling Lazarus oh, forth wow. from that's death cool. into life, which is a really powerful moment. Sure. The music begins to swell and um, it's a really powerful moment. Um, and hearing that song when I was literally like five or six years old, it shifted something in my thinking. I'm getting a little emotional. I didn't expect to. Um, but it shifted something in my thinking where I, I began to think about people in the scriptures as real people yeah, who sure. lived lives and who encounter things. And I began to think about it in inventive ways that weren't just, you know, the, the flannel graph right. sort of thing where, where, oh, these are just cardboard cutouts and they did these things, very transactional stuff. It began to, it, I think it positioned me to think more imaginatively with my faith. And as, um, as, as much as I hear a song like America again, which again, if, <laughs> if you were to pull that up, it is very much like, it, 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 you know, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's volcanically of the variety of like, hey, we need America to be like a theocracy. So I, I, I recognize the complexity there, but I'm just really, really thankful despite the complicated feelings I may have with some of that material now. I'm just really grateful for it. And I didn't realize like not a lot of that hit me until I found he had died. Sure. And I began to reflect on it, and I began to listen back to him. Dude, there was still a moment. He has a song. I'll say this, and then I'll shut up about it. Um, forgive me for taking more time than we probably anticipated. But um, he has a song from one of his live albums called Jericho, The Shout of Victory. And that song still does something to me in some ways because um, it's one of his story songs, and he tells the story of Joshua walking around the, the battles of Jericho or the walls of Jericho. And then he has this like a couple of verses where he talks about the power of praise. Right. And uh, he talks, you know, he said they shouted in victory and this is a live concert where this song debuted. Mm -hmm. And it was very intentional for this to be this way because then um, like, you know, he talks about they praised and then the walls came down and then the music gets super quiet. And he says, "Um, so I challenge you tonight and I dare you, I know it by heart. I dare you. He said, 
I dare you to forget the person next to you and the trials you've been in, to forget religious do's and don'ts and the traditions made of men, but the shout of victory on your lips with praise declaring war, leap up on your feet right now, make a joyful noise and praise the Lord. And however big that crowd was, erupts Hmm. in, in cheer. And when they do, the music swells and it... It is such an impactful moment to me cool. because he's just set the stage for all this, like, yeah. you know, like victory and cheering and everything. And then again, it's like, yeah, there's a ton, there's tons of cheesy stuff. I mean, in the champion, Jesus tells Satan to go ahead and make my day. Quotes, <laughs> Clint, quotes Clint Eastwood <laughs> to the devil, you know, like, so, so admitting in a final statement, admitting and acknowledging that there's some cheesiness there, there's some novelty there. I'm really appreciative for Carmen's work. I'm appreciative that throughout his life, at least in interviews, he remained humble and he remained very, at least verbally, very grateful for everything that God had given him. Um, still impressed by the fact that despite he was, he was very successful, millions of records sold, he never charged for a concert. That means a lot to me because not a lot of people had that kind of mindset. It's little things like that. And so, and I'm just a little sad that he's gone, even though he hadn't been doing much sure. for a while. So, so I just wanted to, to yield a little bit of time for what it's worth yeah. and just sort of shout, shout that out there a little bit. So there's that. Hmm. You know, I, I mean, I had this thought recently about those artists mm. of that era and how weird it must feel to to have been present during that time and active and successful, however, yeah. to whatever degree during that time and to to. um I'm going to analogize it to like what came to mind was Lord of the Rings, the films and you know, we as observers watching those films and, and hearing even now 20 years on those actors talk about the experience of those, of making those films. Like there's something about the, the capsule nature of, I think that nineties era CCM world that, Mm -hmm. For all the ways that I today feel not a whole lot of affection towards it, which sounds, um, it's more neutral. I don't mean like it's antagonistic. Yeah. Um, I understand. You know, how formative some of that stuff was for me as well. Now, I, I rode the wave post 94 or so, 95 ish of, uh, you know, Jesus Freak. Jars of Clay's first, like that was the oh the, sure right, the right. benchmark for me personally, just because I wasn't as enmeshed in that subculture as you were, as early as you were, and but I mean, you know, it has its place, and and like most things, as long as you don't abuse the thing, it's 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 got a sentimentality and a warmth to it that yeah that, yeah you know um, yeah. anyway, I, I, I can receive and appreciate what you just shared there riri and so can one of our canadian friends all right here we go what you watching what you reading what are you listening to (laughs) awesome i love the i love the lilt little 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 lilt um thank you brent yes yes um Man, I feel like there are you, you you going where you did just made my my brain and spirit go all these places, and 
I had something mm. else I was going to oh, throw in there, oh. and now I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, what's that? It's regardless, okay. it's all right. do you want to? Um, <laughs> I mean, I kind of don't want to, honestly, to go into this movie. <laughs> oh, it's so okay, hard. So we joke. We we haven't actually said it yet. So um, so uh, yeah, we. That's true. Yeah, we, we what's joke, really we funny about, about that? It. Funny story. I did uh-huh. have notes written on the on naming it at the top, but in the moment, uh-huh. I pivoted into the big house joke, and I was like, "No, I can't do that because <laughs> the the character Nathan is is not doing that right now." Because anyway, so yes, you need to you need to <laughs> no, set us funny. up for what we're talking about today. So, um, so obviously, it's in the it's in the episode title, but uh, we are covering the film that dropped directly to Netflix uh, day before Halloween last year, and it is called His House. Directed by Remy Weeks. It is uh, Remy Weeks' directorial debut. Um, I think prior to this, he had only done like a little short film. Uh, wrote this film as well. Um, and so we are talking about his house. Um, co-wrote the film, I should say. Um, so I had seen this towards the tail end of the year. And I can remember texting you, I believe this is accurate that I texted you in the middle of the night after I had seen it. And because it had so rattled me, like the film itself had so rattled me in a way that I couldn't really shake off immediately. And it had been some time since a film had really done that. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, the, the scares, the, the subject, the theme, everything, like we have to find a way to cover his house at some point in, you know, 2021 and then and i got that know, text and i here. was like whose house <laughs> exactly <laughs> whose house we covering and you're like paper? his what house no 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 <laughs> come on man clearly you don't know the run dmc no, song very well i don't okay but you i should, do know you should. big house with lots and lots of rooms his his house <laughs> with lots and lots of ghosts oh yes it is um so yeah so and this was your first time seeing it correct it was it was in my house. In your house. I watched it. In your house, I you watched, watched his house. house in my house. I yeah. did. Yeah. You watched the story <laughs> of their house. Yeah. So um, I don't have a ton of trivial bits on this. Honestly, there, there wasn't a lot there. to. Yeah. yeah. No. I looked. Wasn't a lot to glean. I did read an um, interview with Weeks. Um, but other than that, there was not a whole lot out there. I, I, yeah. I, I love and kind of hate movies like this. Cause it's really, it, it just feels too big. It feels so big. Uh, mm, the sub, like trying to unpack it for what we do feels a little too big. Yeah. Sort of. Sure. I mean, I came, I came up and, and told my wife about the plot, not, mm, you know, cause mm, the, the mm. Apeth stuff, she, she would not have really jived on, but once right, 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 right. the big reveal happens, I was telling her that because I was complimenting mm. the movie. I was like, that's a hell of a sure. turn. But yeah, she, no, even absolutely. she was just like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, it is. It is. Yes, you're right. How do you? No, it's true. How do you? What thread do you pull at when you start right. trying to attack a movie like this or converse about so it? So why don't we, uh, as a suggestion, why don't we start by just briefly summarizing what happens in it? Sure. And then we can see what the what the end road is. So if you've not seen this film, here's a, a, a brief summary of it is that you have two uh, refugees. Now, I paid pretty particular attention i don't think they cite where they're from do they sudan sudan okay yeah. sorry i'm completely missed that and i was even listening now, for it but in I just, your defense 
I can't remember if that's in text of the film or not, but it is in the write up for the film. Like, like oh, okay, yeah. got it, got it, got it. Okay, so the refugees from Sudan, um, they are uh, A there couple. is Seoul, yep. yeah, there's Seoul and Riol, um, and B, B. You, Bowl. Do you need me to do this Seoul. for you? <laughs> yes, maybe. You, oh my god, you watched it. How many, Have you watched the film? Did you do the homework? I, I watched it twice. <laughs> I watched it twice. So Ball so, and Rial, Ball his wife, Rial, yes, okay, yes, man and man and woman are are Sudanese refugees who, at the top okay. of the film, are just in a detention center. I don't know if this happened to you the first time. I, I it took a second to kind of understand what was going on, um, sure, because I didn't. I didn't watch a trailer. I didn't do anything. I just knew, you know, audio adrenaline song and off, off I went. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so they're in a detention center because they've just been uh, taken in in London, I believe. And um, they are due to be released from this detention center and placed by this social service that places these refugees in housing. And uh, so so that's the that's the the main plot is this couple trying to shake the trauma of their experience and assimilate into this new life. And they fail miserably because the wife real tells a story, which it's, you know, you got to love in these movies where <laughs> the person cracks open the, the folklore. It's like, you know what? Oh, <laughs> this reminds yeah. me of X <laughs> like, Oh, that's what's happening. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> but she tells hey, this, Beth, huh? this okay. kind of haunting story of, of her grandmother who uh, uh, imparted to her tribe the story of the Apeth, which is this uh, night witch, I believe is what she calls it. Night um, witch, yes. Mm -hmm. That uh, this folktale of a man who steals and the, maybe from the night witch. I can't remember that part, those details explicitly. But the ultimate point of the folktale is a person who stole, I believe, again, from this night witch called the Apeth uh, is then haunted and beset by the same Apeth um, until I think maybe his his murder. Um, so yeah. so the the main characters are experiencing these really harrowing hauntings inside this this apartment they now find themselves in. Um, and I'll go ahead and get here because what's funny read is when she tells the story because the, her the cautionary tale she tells is is explicitly if you steal from the apath or or if if you have stolen a thing of value yes this thing will haunt mm -hmm. you and i was like well <laughs> what they steal i don't know and what then you learn uh, like, yeah. oh snap um <laughs> they because stole, right. what you also learn through the course of the film is they had a daughter who had passed away at the start of the film about a year prior they'd been in because i'm pretty sure the people who are uh under um i'm sorry the people who are issuing them their release one of them references the daughter died a year ago yes last, last year yes that may be the language they use mm -hmm. and um so you so that's what you know well what you learn through a late film reveal, maybe about two thirds mark, about halfway mark, it's through flashback that what actually happened is their their village was uh, being what's the word infiltrated by this kind of yeah, war, right, warlord right, right. attacked, uh, right. and one bus was leaving the village. They were not allowed on the bus because they had no children. The husband Ball grabs a young girl of maybe ten or so. Um, yeah. Niagak. that is yeah that is not their child so that the 
couple can get on the bus. Meanwhile, the bus is driving away and her actual mother is running behind the bus screaming. Lord. Have so that's mercy. the story I told my wife. And she's like, Oh my God, that's terrible. I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah. So, so thus yes. that is what they stole. And so that is what this apath is sort of engaging the story in is you stole this thing, uh, challenges yes. ball to take his own life. And that if he does, uh, and actually how they phrase it is sever your flesh. So I can't remember if they explicitly yes. state, take your life, but that feels like the implication. Um, yeah. And in doing so that he would get this daughter back. So, so that's, that's the, yeah. the thrust of the conflict and the drama, but you know, you, why I say it's just so big is, you know, it's, it's, it's this, it's a story of trauma. It's a story of family right. trauma. It's right. a story of, uh, it's a ghost story. It's a um, grief story. It's a it's a societal, yeah. you know, uh, least of these type story. It, it, there's a whole right, lot right. wrapped up in this, and so because of that, it's a little intimidating to try to tackle. Do you want uh, maybe maybe a good inroad to kind of warm us up? Um, do you want to just sure. do a few likes dislikes scares and and that can kind of because because the loose so, the loose story is there well, yeah go ahead yeah of course of course no um so you know in in an effort to kind of try to hone everything down uh I pretty much have only scares okay. I've got like one you know I've got like sure. one like on here uh, that's that's also kind of rooted in scares um so so this is the first thing that I wrote is I was just like the first half of this film is for me nearly relentless. Um, and I just wrote, I honestly couldn't catalog all of the individual moments that just rattled me to my bones. Um, all the time someone either appeared behind one of them or you know, in the shadows or came flying out of some small space right towards the camera. Like it's just a whole you know, sequence of that ain't right. But, oh my God, the tapestry of profanity that left my mouth the night after she tells the Apeth story uh-huh. where uh, like, and then like he sees that little child shuffling? a few times. And then is that the yes. one that's shuffling like yeah. uh, profile then, into frame? That's awful. Yes. That is awful. Oh, that's when I texted you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It is, it is utterly nightmarish. I mean like it's, and I don't know if I just, and, and this is why when I watched it the second time, I think it really is just the power of the film because I was, I was braced. I was ready and I was like, okay, I'm, I know this is a very scary film, but I also know a couple of the major beats that happened. And that whole sequence is still just like, it still got me. Like, yeah. I still jumped. I still got all the chills. It is terrifying. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my number one big, like, major thing on my scares list is just that whole I will world. say, uh, because I'm fine to camp, um, to camp out at the scares, but I do want to throw... Um, it's a pretty well well realized film visually, but one of the most striking set pieces in it is that shot of them eating that then pulls back and it's the cut out of the apartment floating on the water. Yes. But he is on the just water. Yes. angrily eating because again, it's it's mm-hmm. also a cultural story. Um, this thread, I don't know if you caught this, but this thread of them eating with silverware, uh, yeah, she, she takes it the first time and says, tastes like metal, you know, so that comes back up later on. He's encouraging a bit of assimilation on a certain level. And so he, they, the conflict between the two of them has begun and 
later in it he is eating kind of angrily because of the the conflict growing between them then there's the camera pulls out and it's this physical cutout of the apartment but in a body of water which is evocative of the 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 water that they sailed on to arrive there so that 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 was pretty impressive uh visual yeah Um, i will tell you this funny uh scare here so a recurring element of the scares is some pretty haunting audio cues. Um, and I did have my AirPods on while watching this. So oh. it's just me with the movie in the dark. And, you know, like I even texted you. I was like, Hey, what's, what, what's the level of content? Do I need to be like super mm. diligent? I mean, clearly I'm not going to watch it with my kids in the room, but you know, do they need to be like asleep asleep? You know, I, I just, I didn't right, want right, to. I didn't right. want to tip my hand to what was in the movie in terms of the story, but but I was trying to gauge from you: is there is there nudity? Is there gore? You know that kind of thing. And right, you right, know, right. you you kind of uh, put to rest some of the most extreme stuff. And so I was like, okay, well, once the big kids are in bed, I'll cue this up. Well, at a certain point, because I, the 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 full backstory hadn't revealed itself, and one of these oh, audio okay. cues read is mommy I know. so yes. i so like i was like huh what i looked around <laughs> thinking one of my kids was in the room i was like oh my god oh pause huh uh, what? oh oh god oh <laughs> man that's not cool yeah yeah, yeah. so it definitely oh no. definitely did a number on me i'll say this Ooh, and then you can do another uh one or two and we can volley a few of these yeah. scares i think one of the most harrowing scenes in the film is her trying to find the clinic that's terrible Yes, that's brutal. Oh, it's absolutely yes. It's and there's no ghosts brutal. involved in that, but at least no, not in the spectrum. But the way sense. they treat her, yeah. I mean, the, but the way they treat her when she tries to ask help to find Church Street and everything, and then, um, like it just it it represents the turmoil that they're under outside the home because we spend so much of our time with their turmoil inside the home. Um, and it shows just how sort of looked down upon. I mean, even as she's walking away from those three, you know, oh, I guess teens or whatever yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's walking away from them and they're like, go back, you know, go back to Africa, you know, and it's, it, it I mean, it's just, yeah. And to it, be clear, really, the power really of that brutal. scene is those are black kids. And so these things that at least yes, in our yes. native country are typically uttered by white, ignorant people towards non-white this is, yes, right. you know, kind of native Londoners who are who are brown skinned yelling at her to go back to Africa. Right. It, it was a very yeah powerful and terrible kind of moment. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah, Absolutely. the uh, yeah, I just reached my notes where they referenced a little kid shuffling through the room. That was terrible. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, there's a lot of what I wrote down that was just like lines um and some of them would probably like, you're not a themes yet right tie-in. are you talking about I'm no 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 okay. but, no but uh you know i wrote I, I did write down just her telling of the apeth story um i wrote down you know just the things we've already mentioned so i'm just checking the box uh finding out the true story about how they got their daughter and that whole like when the when the mom is chasing after the bus like oh, it's desperately begging for oh. i mean it's it is so brutal. So I have a, so I have a question for you. I don't want to oh completely boy. abandon format, okay. but but no, but I do have a question for you, and I, it's something I'm feeling out too. So don't don't feel put on the spot. But 
because this has come up a couple of times, how do you think we're meant to feel about Ball and Rial's taking of Nyagyak? And what I mean by that is, is like sympathy, a certain degree of sympathy is certainly intended, but I couldn't quite piece together if we as the audience are meant to root for their survival or if we're meant to root for their reckoning after that is revealed. And I, and, and I can't, and so I'm just asking like, if that was on your radar, do you have any sure. sort of thought well, process funny. around that? But it's funny. <laughs> you, you are hitting a thematic sort of note. I would sort of pivot back to you that takes what you just asked and explodes it a little bit. So do you want to jump into that? Oh, it's okay. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. Because, okay. yeah, yeah, because yeah, let me, yeah, let me that. reposition yeah. that with, with what I wrote. And that's what breaks your heart more the action they take. And to be clear, it's him. Now she is complicit. Yes. But he grabs. Yeah. She doesn't argue. Right. Uh, so what, what breaks your heart more? The action of abducting Nyagak to board the bus or the bureaucracy that detains them indefinitely and then houses them in squalor and orders them basically do nothing from have jobs to play board games and put a different way. Read lackey on our show where we explore, we don't explain and we intersect, we dissect the intersection of faith and horror to find what saves us amidst what scares us. What's what's harder to deal with. What is worse to the human condition, personal individualized sin or collective group oppressiveness? Because that, yeah, this right. when I say this movie's too heavy, that's to me at the heart of this film is we can, and I don't mean I, I'm actually intended that as a question for you, but it clearly it gets yeah, me fired no, up I, of I, the notion that like to your question, what are we supposed to do with their choice? I think that's a fantastic question. Absolutely, yeah. It's a thing. I think it's a thing we face daily in our own skin. I think it's a thing we face daily as we read headlines. I think it's a thing we have to weigh against nationalized maltreatment of the other. Yeah, right. It's why that scene Mm -hmm. is so powerful when the black kids are yelling to the African woman, go back to your country. Like anyway, so, so I would pose to you and, and, and the question isn't, Hey, let's, let's figure this out. The question that I would sort of position to you is what breaks your heart more? Like, yeah, and and I, I don't understand. mean that to, as a loaded one, as or as as a trick one that there's a right no, of answer. Course. But as no, you sort of no, weigh no, those course. two things, what 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 is heavier to you? And I'm I'm taking a second to think because yeah. I yeah I... because I think because I do while feel... you I was gonna no 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 you, yeah. do, go ahead run with it because I was just gonna fill the air while you thought but run with it no I so I think I think the hardest part about it is that when you think about and I didn't you know I didn't hear your question beforehand so sure. forgive me if this is like sort of clumsily no. stumbling through it but but you know like I'd immediately go back to some of the lines I wrote down the the review agent for the detention center in the very beginning they say and they say it to a couple of different people but they say we're good people right we're good people right. and and then he says back to them he says whether or not you're good people it's not me that needs convincing and I thought that was really because he's not expressing like, oh, I know you're good people. He's expressing, I don't care. That's not my job. That's not right. my role to determine whether or not you're good people. Like he's being he's being dismissive, not being conciliatory, and certainly not being affirming. He just says, well, you know, whether whether or not you're good people is not he's me. part of the bureaucracy. 
Yes, absolutely. He's 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 part of the system. Go ahead. No, that's okay. And then you know their the their sort of personal liaison, uh, played by Matt Smith, Doctor Who. Uh, that's the only way that I know him. Other yeah, than that. That. I don't know if I've seen him. Well, what's funny else. is um, I actually but, was like, I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who. I just generally have at least a loose awareness of who the actors were uh, that have played the character. Yeah, okay. And so I, I was like, is that who is that? <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who is that? <laughs> is um, that who? So who? Who there? Um, so but even he says to them, make it easier for others. Be one of the good ones. And I'm just sitting here. I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, to the degree of like, yeah, the the layers and layers and layers of red tape, and I so so I'll read a couple more lines because they inform this, and then I'll, I'll answer your question. So, because I'll, all I wrote down, I didn't write commentary on these lines. I just wrote these lines down, and I was just like, I don't know what the hell to think about these lines. But sure. um, there's there's one point at which um, you know uh, she says because when he confronts her and he's talking about like. You know, they're trying to deal with the Apeth situation and the Night Witch and everything. And then she says back to him in a line that is, because this script is pretty powerful. She says back to him in a line that just is volcanic. She says, after all we've endured, after all we have seen what men can do, you think it is bumps in the night that frighten me? And I'm like, that, I didn't know, I wouldn't have known how to respond to a question sure. like that. Um, and then, of course, when she is being checked on by like a nurse or so, or like an yeah. intake yeah, that's uh, at the clinic. individual. Yeah. yeah. At the clinic. And she's talking about, and the nurse is just trying desperately to sort of like connect with her bedside mm. manner, general mm-hmm. sort of kindness. Sure. It's, it's, it's very superficial, but it's sincere. At least it certainly feels sincere. Um, and then, uh, you know, she says, Oh, that's a beautiful necklace. And she says, Oh, I love those markings. And then she says, she tells tribal, the story because some tribal she, markings. Yeah. yeah She's got some tribal markings on her temples of her of her face and then also some on her arm. And she says that the ones on her face she'd had since she was a child or, you know, since she was for as long as she could remember. I think she says from when she was born or whatever. But then she says the marks on her arm she gave herself with a knife. And then she ta- tells this dreadful summary where she says there were two tribes where I'm coming from and, and they they were killing each other. But she marked herself with the markings from both tribes. And then she says this line that I'm just like, oh, my God. And she says, I survived Mm -hmm. by belonging nowhere. And and I think. Message. Yes, exactly. And I think to a large degree, I think I'm I'm in this camp. and, And this is what I would say in response to your question, like. When your heart gets broken that much, I think, and, and this is not necessarily antagonistic towards the spirit in which you asked the question, but I think my response would be, when your heart gets broken that much, I think there's a certain point to which degrees don't matter. And and I'll, I'll tell this story that I said back to um, some people that I was di- discussing the immigration issue with. And I think, I have told this story to a few trusted friends so I cannot remember if I have ever shared it on the pod before. Part of me feels as if I have brought this up on the pod before. And we are so, trusted friends here at the pod. That's true. And the listeners. So, and we've been doing this for like, you know, four and a half years. So I've told a lot of stories over time. Um, but I worked with somebody um, a few years back. And this was during the time when it was a very, very 
controversial discussion about the children being separated from the families mm-hmm, at the border. Mm-hmm. Um, and by pure raw coincidence, I worked with someone who had a relative, I believe it was her aunt, a few years distance from the story. So I'm, I, I'm, some of the details are fuzzy. I'll talk about what I'm confident about. I believe it was her aunt that was separated from her children. And she came to a couple of us that she trusted to be discreet and to not judge her and not judge everything else, that her aunt had been captured. Her aunt's children, who I believe were 8 and 11, were put into one of these facilities, and they were transferred somewhere. They could not be found. And what she was talking to us about for help was her not some random internet story, her right. aunt, who she knew, and not being able to locate her cousins right, right, right. that were somewhere in in the ether somewhere. And so I remember that just through the course of that story, she described that how her aunt's husband, you know, her uncle, um, was had recently died, and all of their family lived in the States, but her aunt lived in Mexico. And with the uncle, the only breadwinner, gone, and her aunt, unskilled, uh, middle-aged, unable to really, you know, like she's, she's not a specialized worker or anything, but she does have young children who are depending on her to provide to some degree. And obviously, like, the family could try to help us send money and everything, but that gets really weird and kind of complicated with a lot of things so they decided to try to bring her in and of course she's not going to be able to get like the 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 red tape this is getting back to your story and why i'm telling it the red tape to get her here legally was just obscene was absolutely obscene and so i can remember hearing this story about how that you know, condition of facing the prospect of having two young children you're supposed to provide for, trying to figure something out. You've got a bunch of family in the States. You have no more family there in Mexico. You have no path to get here legally that will not put you on the brink of starvation walking through it. And so what choice do you then do? And so when you ask the question, like, what breaks your heart more? That is that is a question that maybe should just linger and we should wrestle yeah, with. That's fair. Add, in, add infinitum. Because, like, yeah, what breaks your heart more? The fact that, uh, you know, because it would be really easy to get super reductive about all of this and point to that family's story and say, okay, well, she shouldn't have made the choice that she made. Yes, and Ball and Rial should should not have taken Nyaga. Right. Okay, right, like, there's no, right. there's no version of this where we absolve one element of this ick, one element of this desperation for the sake of the the great... This is why I despise, in other contexts, the lesser of two evils conversation. Because I'm like, to a certain degree, that misses the point. That there is something about all of this that begets wrongdoing. It all just begets wrongdoing. And, And that kind of desperation, when we are not fostering the ability, the ease, and the ability to, to for for people to find some degree of hope and livelihood and health and well-being, um, then then there's a lot that we are complicit in in the course of of 
are, you know, again, we may not be part of the bureaucracy. Maybe some of the listeners or, 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 or some of the listeners' family members are connected to people who are actively trying to fight to improve that sure, condition sure. for refugees or for or for other people. And I, I do think it is a very complex situation. And I think we do have to wrestle and have to deliberately wrestle. So I get super frustrated when anybody gets reductive about the conversation. Like when anybody gets reductive about like, well, just come here legally. Yeah. You have the good fortune and and privilege to not have to, to have that, you know, that that, uh, discussion. Right. Right. Yes. Um, And then I also know like for myself, I also know that there are people who fought terribly hard to become us citizens. They did the time. They did the work. They they put in the effort, and uh, if any of it, I also worked with someone not from the same country. Um, I also worked with someone who had uh, migrated here from Australia and had to go through the pro. They they had just recently become a U.S. citizen for like several. There it is. Are you trying uh, to tempt me? Uh, I'm worried you're your like <laughs> teasing me, like Nathan. Let's see if Nathan takes the boot here. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Um, but. Um, you know, and and that person held, uh, you know, very traditionally kind of conservative views, particularly when sure. it came to immigration. Well, they can carry some weight around in that conversation because they did the homework and they walked the path. I get that, but it's not super easy to just say, "Yeah, that's it. Be like that," because right. so many different factors play into this conversation um, so I don't even know well, if I'm really doing your question justice no, but no I mean it's, it all, it's an impossible yeah. question well solving it is an impossible question engaging it sure is, is right, necessary right. Um, yeah understood and yeah, to yeah, be yeah. fair where you've couched it as explicitly immigration what I think is also valid and important as a takeaway is the the question of individual transgression and societal transgression. I mean, the thought that just came to me, Reed, is like, on the one hand, of, of ow, I just banged my elbow against my little desk here. <laughs> <laughs> the ape path going to get me. Um, <laughs> no, oh, no. Uh, but I'm I'm unintentionally setting up a new paradigm to converse about too. Of like, by virtue of storytelling, i.e., a film. You know, if you're actually read a book like the, a, a novel, a, a fictionalized tale, it, it, it kind of requires personalizing the metaphor you're after. Right. Like it, it we have to right. narrow it. We have to narrow in in this instance on Ball and Real uh, and examine their story. But I think one of the few pitfalls of doing that is we do get confused about where most oppressiveness comes from. Yeah, right, right, right. And rarely, mm, it's, you can't use words that invoke a frequency, but I think we are more prone to condemn and criticize individual transgression and absolve mm. societal, corporate, nationalized malfeasance. And, yes. and I think yeah. a question that just pinged me really loudly so the story, the, the story is, is Ball and Real stole a child and, and in the act of that 
heinous a theft, the Apeth, the Night Witch, brought a reckoning to them. Reed, yeah. what is... <laughs> we are all stealing very explicitly from each other. Mm. What is... Mm. What does Apeth look like on a, on a non-individualized scale? And that's a wow. scary thing to, wow. to, to weigh out, wow. right? Yeah. Mm. Wow. I mean, because what, what are, what are, and, and you and I come back to this occasionally because I think the value of, of really well-defined horror tales like this is it invites these massive sort of questions of, Right, how right. we live and interact with each other, and what what our decisions on a on an economic level, you know, the things mm-hmm. you buy, mm-hmm. that what what are we in living the way we live? What are we stealing? Right, and that's a that's a heavy question that there's no direct answer to, but right. that I do think there are degrees of apeth destruction that happen that we're unaware of. In, in, in other words, against no, us. In other words, things we lose in those thefts. I'm speaking very right. metaphorically, but because there just of aren't, there, there's not a way to articulate this in an explicit fashion that's going to be universal because transgression is a universality <laughs> that we wrestle with. Right. Of course. And, of course. You know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm in the middle of a book right now. It's it's a Richard Rohr book, unsurprisingly, but it's called The Immortal Diamond. And a, th- a theme he comes back to with great routine is how much we how much we focus on individualized transgression as representative of the full summary statement about faith and sin, which is which is a yeah, gross right, a, right. A, a gross misapplication yeah, of the right. ideas of faith and sin that. Mm-hmm. you know, individualized transgression or even individualized righteousness are not the story. And, and in fact are, are fractional to what the, the see, there's too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, there but, is. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. It's, I, I um, think, I think like we're in, the, I'm sorry to throw this last real, real world anecdote out right now, but like, no, it's okay. No, it's fine. We are happening right now because of one might say the haughtiness of corporate action, the much of the state of Texas is yes. Iced and frozen without electricity Mm -hmm. being forced Mm -hmm. to boil water to even have water. And it's, and and I'm actually, it'll sound like, Oh, there's liberal Nathan wagging his finger. That's maybe Mm -hmm. there's a super thin patina of that. But what I'm also saying is, my God, that is what we're talking about is yeah, you, you right. had this mayor of this town be like, get off your lazy asses when it's like, holy cow. No, this is an entire system. No one. It's it's like in we've talked about with um, if you ended up seeing the social dilemma or not. It's the it's it's the I didn't, unfortunately, not yet. It's the error. That we execute routinely in thinking that we can stand we individually can stand against the algorithms and the thousands of computer programmers who develop algorithms to work against our will so i'm applying that to this scenario of like it's pretty stupid to say hey 
you one person take care of your family when the entire state is iced over. There's no electricity. There's no water. That's just a really when when what really is at fault is corporate decision making that valued individuality, independence, greed, self-servingness over common good. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but but I'm just weighing these two things, these, these huge poles of faithfulness and transgression, which is the individual act versus the individual act as representative of the corporate element. And I think that's part of what, so I don't know that the film has, because it is such a difficult thing to wrangle down, something we haven't mentioned yet is the final shot of the film. Mm. And that, that, that profoundly, I think, speaks into what we're what we're talking about because the the one thing that you'll that listeners will need to know for the final shot of the film is eventually the night which the apeth does manifest itself very much in the full and comes after ball yeah. in a terribly harrowing scene um and then it is real who um eventually like grabs the night witch and and slits its throat presumably putting it to rest for their own purposes of of um, you know, kind of, they've conquered it yeah, for yeah, the, yeah. for the moment, and then after that, there's the inspectors coming around for Ball's house, and they're they I you get the impression, or I got the impression that basically like they're they're good now. They've get they've been accepted. They're gonna you know they're they're not on probation or whatever it was, but I th- you know they'll probably they've still covered have to keep their tracks. There are some raised eyebrows yes. from the bureaucracy, but they've covered their right. tracks for the purposes of staying. Yeah. But they're okay. The film leaves a profound impression that they're not going to get like kicked right. out or sent back or anything like that. They're they're going to be here for a while. But then, uh, the Matt Smith character asks them, you know, like you know, still seeing the ghost or whatever, and and then he says back, and this is the part of the line that I wrote down. I didn't write down his whole response, but he says, "Your ghosts follow you. They never leave. They live with you. It's when I let them in, I could start to face myself." Hmm. And that was a really powerful line for a number of ways. But the final shot that I referenced is as they leave, Ball and Rial are standing in the middle of the room, and there is literally a crowd a yeah. around them. There's a host of spirits there that um, presumably, and I, and I guess I would ask because I have an interpretation of it, but I would ask if you if you thought the same thing. I thought it directly spoke into, hey, like the ghosts, they're not responsible for like all of these people and all of the ghosts. These are the ghosts that live in in this place. These are the ghosts of the bureaucracy that live in this sort of environment. That, that's okay, that's kind of what fair. I, took I, I read it more specifically as in their case because so much weight is given to the journey and how harrowing it was and those who did not survive the journey that they did mm, that these mm. are that these are specifically these fellow Sudanese refugees who did not survive but but the, both are kind of true because the film is a, is also manifesting these zombie characters attacking ball are i think not necessarily spirits that predate their presence there i think they brought them with them Anyway, yes. so yes, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. we're both kind of and, on and that's, the same that's track text, path there. Yeah, and and the whole like them care it, it directly, you know, the line I just read from Ball, like the, your ghosts follow you, you know. So that's definitely, you know, that's part of it. Um, but I also like I just really 
the title itself, too, arrested me significantly mm-hmm. because the title is very specific. It's not, despite our jokiness earlier, it is not our house. It's not their house. It's not, it's his house. And I feel like there's a sense in which if they're sitting there, um, and it's, you know, it's certainly, it's not my house, you know, it's, they're sitting there in this place that does not belong to them. Mm-hmm. They're sitting there in this place that they're, you know, but, but they're building a life that they're trying to take ownership for that is theirs. Um, and it's hard to wrestle down that sense in which, and this is in the sort of the immigration discussion writ large, the sense in which you suddenly have to confront their fighting for things. And when I say fighting, like, they're, like, like they're, they're, they're striving to achieve something that every step of the way requires someone else's permission. Sure. Everything yeah. about it, the space you inhabit, the, your means to, and that struck me about their, their first part of their asylum, where he's like, you can't take a job. Right. Their means to amass resource for themselves right. yep. is yep. at the permission of someone else. Like right. every aspect of the life they are about to step into is at someone else's permission. This is not my house. This is not our house. This is his house. Right. And yep. I feel like if we're talking about, like you just, I mean, it. Uh, I think because we skimmed past it, and maybe it didn't feel like we skimmed past it to the listeners, but it certainly didn't feel that way to me. Uh, I just, I keep coming back to your, like, what is the apeth on a social level? Yeah. What is the apeth yes. on a global level? Like, right. your ghosts follow you. We don't, we're not, I'm not necessarily pressing that we open up the wounds of all of the systemic things that have happened to the, to bring us to this point. No, but it's important. And if, forgive me for interjecting here, You're fine. Uh, but you've identified probably the final theme we should follow and of the, of the title. And, and I think, I think the a takeaway is no one can bear up under on an, in in an individual sense, no one can bear up under the, the various apeths a society will, will bring down upon them. Hmm. And so what to me is so powerful about that final image of ball and real surrounded by Ken it's and because a thread through the film is belonging. It's about, it's about living at peace Mm. with all you've been, all you've seen, all that may yet come and all that is still around you. It's about finding peace and belonging even in his house. (laughs) Oh yeah. Right. Right. right, You know, it's about, it's about some sense of reckoning, personal reckoning. It's about some sense of personal it's, it's include and forgive it's, it's forgiveness yes. of self. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, maybe, maybe this will, will, will bear some weight. Uh, but something that has really been on my heart since I did read it in this book lesson, I'm going to share here and maybe cause it feels like it's got some resonance here. Um, where we leave ball and real, there's, there's this quote that, that I read in, in my reading last night from the immortal diamond and, and, uh, Roar is talking about the, the, the passage begins the good news of an incarnational religion 
is that you're not motivated by outside reward or punishment, but actually by looking out from inside the mystery yourself. This is the big piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. to me. You do things because they are true, not because you have to or you are afraid of punishment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we leave these characters. They are now going to move forward in choice making because those things are true and not because of fear of punishment or defensiveness where we're the good ones, right? Like, like that's, that's the armor we put on out into the world to face the world. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm not like those guys, right? I'm not like that person, right? Uh, that person's wretched. Oh my God. I'm not like that. Like that is the, that is the shield we carry, but there's a degree of falseness to that. And, Mm, and, mm. You know, there's something powerful about you do things because they are true and not because of fear of of fear at all. I mean, you can end the sentence there. And so, you know, I I think it's a powerful final image. I think this notion of peace and rest and place are just powerfully huge. I mean, the film is explicitly an immigration conversation in which the notion of place and placement and personhood in a place is an incredibly present conversation and, and thing to struggle with and against. Uh, but even as you know, even you and I in our comings and goings, remembering that we have placeness and, and, and are, are called to live at peace even in the midst of the apets swarming around. Anyway, I don't, I don't know exactly well, where I'm heading there. I love that you shared that passage by text to me and a few of our friends, uh, you know, earlier about that you do things because they are good, and it's it's so powerful. True, because they are true. Because they are true. Yes, sorry, you do things because they are true. You were sa- you were saying something earlier, um, and when you were saying it, I had a I had a moment where. Um, I, I I composed myself, but I had a moment where I think I uh, emotion threatened to to overwhelm me a bit. So I'm going to say before I even go down this path that I don't know exactly if I'm going to be able to articulate it the way that it struck me. Mm-hmm. But you were talking about you know the sense of belonging in his, you know finding your sense of space and what washed over me thought wise was when Jesus before. Well, I'll say it this way, because um, I am about to bring in a scripture, is this is the statement that I, f- for clarity's sake, I'm going to make the statement first, and then I'll support it. Normally, I try to support it all and just, like wham with the statement. the statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just say it, Reed. Um, the posture of Christ is to prepare places in his mm. house. Mm. And mm. that's what that's what bowled over me. Like as you were sitting there talking about, you know, like belong a sense of belonging, it washed over me this thought of the posture of Christ is to prepare places in his house. And I dire- directly tied to John chapter 14 and verse 2 that's often quoted and yes, I know it's speaking about eternal significance, but it resonates so much in this conversation where Jesus told his disciples in my father's house there are many rooms many rooms and we try so hard i have said this on the pod before there are there are measures of faith which feel like they are trying desperately to keep people out it feels like they are trying desperately to um to exclude and i hear 
the words of Jesus where it says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And he says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And that image that, that I don't have verbs and, and language to give justice to, that image of, of our servant savior who said, there's room in my father's house and right, right. I go there to prepare a place for you. The power and the significance, yes, I know, context wizards, he's talking about, he's talking to his disciples and he's talking about eternal significance, but the, the truth is alive and it is still true. And the fact that the posture of Christ is to prepare spaces for people to belong. <laughs> context wizards. <laughs> but, but the posture of Christ, therefore, if we are of him and if we are like him, should be our posture. Is right. to prepare is to prepare spaces for people to belong, and and that and read, should be. A, and I, I want to challenge your your defensiveness there uh, as your friend here. Like eternal significance matters, but on earth as it is in heaven, effing matters too. And if mm, if mm. there's no image or impression or sense or whiff of what his house feels like here, as made manifest by us who claim to know him, then it's all BS. And right, right. to me, taking that analogy, and I do think this is one of the brilliant things about this film is that the title has multiple applications, but I do think there's a world in which the first 95% of this film is his house, his being a pet. This is, this is a place of, mm, of, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. wickedness and unrighteousness that in the end, I don't think the movie does this, but we are doing it of of it becomes a more it becomes a more heavenly uh, uh uh toned his house name because now it is present and peace and mm-hmm. and restfulness like mm-hmm. like there is a literal turn that happens in this movie and it's not because they've been told what you did was fine it's because they've made peace with the things that that have assailed them Anyway, I, I just I, my my passion there was you you accusing context wizards, which is going to be perpetually what we use <laughs> for the the haters of of yes, this thing's about eternal significance. But damn, man, eternal significance is now. And well, and, yeah, you said it on earth as it is in heaven. That that uh, shut it up right there. Like you, you're well, will I be done. Trying to on, shut you up. That's not no, no, no. But I mean, it shut, shut up, up all of, <laughs> it. Shut up all the wizards on my side, saying, you know, he sure. wasn't talking about that. He was talking sure, about this because sure. you know, that's how they like sound in do. my head. Yes, right. <laughs> like what I can do. You know what? <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> so, but but I I do I feel I feel so passionately in my heart right now. Like I have said it before. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Like. Some people are always trying to keep others out. Some people are always trying to find a way to let others in. And as for me and my house, I want to be about my father's business, which I do believe is in part the spirit of which says, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And if that were not true, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. There's a place for you. There's a place for you here. And that is something that I feel like we severely, severely miss the point when we are constantly thinking about it as this big, locked, kind of entrenched sort of fortress type of thing. It's, 
it is this type of idea. It's like, the, and, and, and there is a, there's a beautiful, in my mind, a beautiful kind of aspect of, uh, <laughs> to keep trying to wind it down. Um, so this is a bit self-aggrandizing. I apologize. What Apolo- else is new? Right? Come I'm on. Pl- come on. There was a moment, um, and and the the reason it's a bit self-aggrandizing is because it, it 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 I'm about to describe a moment, a creative moment that came to me when I was writing the film that was released. So just everybody, just forgive the self-aggrandizement. But the moment is what I'm focusing in on. Um, it just coincidentally happens to be something from something I wrote. There's a moment in the in the film that I wrote where Joseph is talking with young Jesus, and he's talking about how. When he first found out that Mary was, and it's imaginative moment, so forgive me, it's nowhere in the Bible, um, that he um, is talking about imagining a, a moment where he found out that Mary was going to have Jesus, but obviously he and Mary had not been intimate with one another, and so all of the complexity that comes along with that, and and in the scene, he tells Jesus, he says, you know, so I came back, and this house that I was building for us to live in was unfinished and the roof was not on it yet. And I was building this house and preparing it for her when she told me that she was going to be with child. And I didn't, I thought she was a liar and all of these kinds of things that he was feeling. But that night, the Bible does tell us that, that Joseph had a dream. And in my imaginative retelling of that, I put that uh, Joseph said, I, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw an angel and the angel was building the roof. The angel was finishing the roof and saying, don't be afraid, take Mary as your wife. And so it was one of these things where I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it up in this moment, not again to pat myself on the back, but just to show what, you know, where my imagination goes with these things is I think there's a consistency of the Lord Christ, um, the kingdom of God saying, keep building the house, keep preparing the yes. place, keep inviting in, keep, keep preparing the space where you can then open the door and say, this space is your space. This is where you belong. And I'm not talking about a way to like put people in boxes or define or label them. Sure. I'm talking this, no. this sense of welcome that right. says, I have, I have put effort and work into preparing both in my heart and in the world around us a place that is for you. This is for you. Um, and, and that to me is just unspeakably beautiful and extremely powerful and while we are focusing on wrestling down solving the societal apeth problems and whether or not um you know ball and real deserve justice because they stole niagak or whether or not the system deserves retribution because it just churns people up like like numbers and machines um all of that is sort of cast aside in the spirit of the kingdom of god which says in my father's house, there are many rooms, many mansions, and I go there to prepare a place for you. Um, yes. That, to me, just is profound beauty and profound uh, truth. I, you, I mean, I, I mean, you could, you could call it a, a big house. It's a big <laughs> with a lots big, and big lots house. of rooms, <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of rooms <laughs> where we can play football. Wow, what? <laughs> A amazing moment that just <laughs> transpired there. That is it's hilarious. That's the Lord, brother. We really have been talking about Big House this whole time, and, sh- and we didn't. I know told it. you. I told you. <laughs> um, oh, man, I don't so, really care for football, but you know. Yeah, you know, but whatever. still. I, oh man, that was a beautiful <laughs> moment. Suck you suck if we get to heaven one day, and it's like, 
Sports. I'm like, oh. <laughs> really? Where's the, <laughs> like, where's the nerd table? Where are they playing? Where are they playing Arkham Horror? Where I'm can in the I go wrong play place. <laughs> I want to go play Sky Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, uh, audio adrenaline. Oh man. Uh, anyway, that's you good. You yeah, wanna close I, it? I, you wanna I enjoyed it off that. There? Yeah, you want to explain the fog meter? Or you want me to? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'll explain what the fog meter is. The fog meter is our specific metric. Think uh, Siskel and Ebert's thumbs ratings. Uh, but here at the Fear of God, we use fear. How scary a thing is, and God. How substantive a thing is. See, it's real original. Fear and God. Fear and God. Um, <laughs> so, for um, His House, the Netflix film from 2020 as part of 2020-2022.0, I am um, going to give it a, a seven. The, the first half of the film is pretty harrowing. Yeah. And I'd say the final showdown with Apeth is, is it isn't so, uh, it's, it's great visuals. It's excellent right, costuming right. and sort of, you know, creature design. Creature design um, is amazing. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Um, but ultimately the film has more on its mind than just scaring you. So, so that's why I, I honestly almost went six there, but I think I'm going to be kind and give it a seven for okay. fear. I had a much stronger reaction to the fear element. I'm actually going to give it a nine. Uh, even the second time through, I was, I don't disagree with you about the shift in its impact as it gets towards the back half of the film. It's the first half of the film that does it. Yeah. But so much of it, even on my second time through, just really got under my skin. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm going to give it a nine on the fear factor. All right. Um, How about the, the God factor, Riri? Yeah. On the God factor. I'm still going to go pretty strong on this one, man. Like yeah. this, this one, it's got a really strong script and that script has a lot of really powerful things on its mind that it is brave enough to not spell out for you, which I admire a lot. So, uh, in the spirit of generosity and with that sort of underpinning, I'm going to give this a freaking 10 for the God meter. I was about to do that. I was about to do I that. I will give it a 10. His house. <laughs> his, his house. <laughs> I gave it a 10. <laughs> yeah 10 oh, i mean yes it's yeah it, it is clearly inviting an enormous amount of engagement with yeah. the yeah. multifaceted thematic notions it's playing with all while still being a pretty distilled human story which is impressive yeah absolutely absolutely and that means that we give his house Directed and co-written by Remy Weeks, a <laughs> a nine out of ten on the fog meter. That's a very very strong showing. Um, and uh, in point of fact, what did you say? You, a nine? Sorry, I got lost in my, in my CCM <laughs> for a second. Did you say a it's nine? Okay. Yes, nine out of ten. <laughs> nine out of ten on the fog meter. So, um, would oh, you uh, would you recommend his house? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I yeah I would. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, mine's an unqualified recommendation with just the statement that it's super scary. So if you don't like super scary things, uh, yeah. But other than that, it's a very strong film. It's a really, really affecting film. That's I, and and I think I said something like this in our uh, New Year's Eve party. I think it might be my favorite 
horror film of 2020. <laughs> Who's house? <laughs> Reed's <His> house. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's really, 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 really strong. Um, Listener, okay. when you finish this episode, we can't for copyright purposes, but just pretend you're hearing audio adrenaline or Run DMC. <laughs> you know, just take your pick, or just go just take- pick, fire up your your digital music platform of choice and play them because yeah, I and- might do that here in a second. Yeah, and just search for the word house and just see what comes yeah. up. Yeah, um, Rick House. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, all of it. Nathan Rouse. Oh. Sorry, okay. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just running with it. <laughs> really got, really got yeah. lost in it. Um, okay, so um, this was this was fun. This was great. Next week we are going to be sort of wrapping a bow on 2020, 2020 2.0 with the final chapter. 2.0. Now, if Sorry. you listened to our very first installment where we rattled off what all the films are, uh, you will notice a pivot here because initially we planned to cover the film Relic. Uh, and we s- called out a couple of weeks ago that Relic was going to be on this syllabus uh, for some reasons that maybe are not worth getting all into it's right just now. Just too dour. I'm kidding. It's, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, no, not, that's uh, not why. For, for, for reason, without getting into the entire complexity, for reasons of availability concerns, we'll just say that. For reasons of avail- availability to you watch You can't concerns, rent it. You got to buy it. We don't want to buy yeah, it. Yeah. And we don't want... Well... Not just that we don't want to buy it. We don't want to force our listeners to right. have to make the choice. Yeah, you know, I'm saying so, you, you couldn't say that. It's okay. That's okay. So, yes. All right. So, anyway, we're pivoting away from Relic. Maybe we'll cover it eventually when it becomes rentable on on mass again. But instead, we decided to pivot to something else. And uh, in true just, hey, this is our show. We can do what we want. We decided to cover something that wasn't even on the top 20 list. (laughs) We are getting freak out next week. (laughs) So, we are getting getting a freak on. And we are getting, uh, we are covering. Get your Sorry. Sorry. Oh <laughs> the coffee has finally hit. <laughs> it is. There it is. The penny dropped. Okay. So, um, yes. So the, uh, we are covering Christopher Landon's film starring Vince Vaughn and gosh, I forgot it. Christopher. Oh, you did name, that. But... That's why you don't even do it. Reed. Don't even start it. If you can't do it, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to take it again. <laughs> you got to leave that in. <laughs> Because that was freaky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was freaky. Like so, Mr. No. Daniel's dog. No, so anyway, so we are covering Christopher Landon's film, Freaky. Um, so seek that out. That is widely available for rent. Not Relic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not Relic. So next week is Freaky. We will see you there. Nathan, thank you so much for having this conversation <laughs> with me. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Go, go have a dance party. <laughs> Bye, everybody. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest episodes and news, as well as for merchandise and how to contact us. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God, on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music, and to Tyler Smith and MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody!